If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast all in one place. They have tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. So download the Anchor app on Apple or Android or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Now back to the good part. This episode of the Boundary Corner Podcast is dedicated to the memory of our friend and Hokey, Brian Wilkerson. We lost Brian on Tuesday of last week, and we both spent Saturday gathered amongst his many family and friends, remembering the good times and mourning the thought of not being able to make more of them with him. Well, Brian's spirit and our memories of him will never fade. Whether it was taking laps around our hometown in his Tahoe, one times at Longwood, although he never claimed he went to Longwood. <laughs> and the great times in Blacksburg, whether it be at hooky football games, tailgates, or just rolling around Fox Ridge. And I was uh, lucky enough to have the pleasure of playing with him for five years, uh, playing football together, uh, both in middle school and high school. Um, sometimes words just don't do a thing justice. So if you'll bear with us. Uh, we're going to share a tribute from our good buddy, Jason Long, to a friend he'd known since elementary school. Going to miss you, B. Wilt.
nail back to the regular show. Brian, you got another pass interference call as Jason was playing that tribute to Brian. Colts get another call. Y'all are in the we end. Say, we say this one might be a zesty one tonight because we got the Colts and the Niners playing here. Yeah. Um, Carson's only made a few questionable decisions tonight. So The only way y'all can move the ball is pass interference. The only way I disagree. We've ran the ball up and down the field on you. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor's pushing a hundred yards, man. <laughs> well, maybe it's just every the feelings I have is every time I look up, it's a yellow flag for us. But uh, let's um, <laughs> um <laughs> let's jump off that because we're going to probably interrupt enough of our things tonight. Congratulations, your Braves! Yeah, Bravos, <laughs> World Series. Let's do this. First time since you were how old? Uh, I was 16. 16. Yeah. Something like that. 15. Actually, 15. Take that back. 15. You're right. 99. 99. Yeah. The first century, the Braves. Something made. bad. I was like, how old was I in 99? <laughs> 16. 99 was a great year. And I tell you what, those jerseys look dope. Yeah. I mean, uh, petition. Was, I mean, I know I'm not. I'm not. I'm preaching to the choir here. But petition to make those and an, a uh, white uh, version of those are full time uniforms, and then we can have yeah. alternates based, you know, based off that whatever we want to do. It's true. And some people, and I saw some people out there saying, "Oh, but you need to innovate." And like, listen, you need basics, and you need to throw in the alternates. The up-to-date looks and stuff like that, you know, every now and then. But that was such a clean look. The orange number on the side, the block lettering, the maroon, the right shade of maroon, no stripes. Yeah. And I think that's the thing is that, you know, a lot of what was done then, I mean, is kind of the – True now, right? Like a lot that, yeah. that clean look. I mean, that that's coming back. It's not it the flashy. Um, you know, there, there's times for that, but I think the clean look is what's really, uh, really playing well right now. And I think that that was as clean as it gets, man. Let me bounce this idea off of you. If you, if you had people who are out there like, well, you got to do something different. What about if the numbers were hokey stones? Like keep them white, but get that outline of the hokey stones. Where I'd be fine with that. I'd be like, fine with that. Like everything, um, everything else, keep the same. The, I mean, the hokey stone numbers were the thing I liked the most about the current jerseys. So I guess you know, if you if that's the one thing you want to squabble about, that's the one thing I'm not going to push back on. <laughs> that's what I'd say. Do bring it back. Do that with the letters, um, and then get the white versions. And essentially, I would. What would you say, maroon? Maroon numbers, white jersey maroon numbers. Yeah, I mean, tally, tally wants orange numbers. <laughs> where, where, where's Tally at? Tally wants orange numbers at least. He's not going to have a uh, – I think white and orange could pull. I think white and orange would look fine and then make the seven a maroon. The seven, the number on the side, the maroon. Yeah. Um, make that maroon in those uniforms. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Um, now, let's just say this. The team that took the field – Saturday was the not the nineteen ninety nine team and man, a lot going on yesterday with us. But we found we had time. the opposite of the uh, miracle in Morgantown. No. <laughs> we had the blasphemy the- in Blacksburg is what we had, and you know 
everybody is probably going to say, you guys always crap on the offense. Y'all say, and you praise the defense. No. Yesterday was the defense's failure. If you told us that we got 34 points, because I'm gonna I'm gonna give the defense their two, right? Give them yep. their two, because that was a heck of a play. And that was primarily defensive starters out there. If you told us we got 34 points yesterday from the offense, defense chipped in a safety, we win this game. If, if you if you told me we got four and two, four touchdowns, two field goals. I'd have felt really good about our chances to win that football game. And, and it wasn't enough. And, you know, as me and Brian were on the road, we were listening to the radio broadcast pretty much from Richmond all the way back to our hometown. And, Brian, it sounded like, to me, like the defensive line was in trouble. They were making mistakes. And, you know, you you mentioned you, you – I watched the tape. My eyes aren't the best. To me, it looks like, you know, they did have some troubles. They got pushed around some, and they weren't finishing tackles for losses and sacks. But you looked a little deeper, looked at more film. I looked at condensed. I know you got a little deeper and found the full version. What, what did you see? Because you said it wasn't as bad as you thought it was going to be. It wasn't as bad as it sounded initially. It was still not, not their – definitely not their best effort, probably one of their worst efforts of the year. Um, but it wasn't the the clown show I was anticipating. Um, they did get pushed out of their gaps a good a good amount. That did result in bigger rush lanes, uh, making it harder for the linebackers, making it harder for the safeties coming up in their fills. Um, but they did a better job of getting after the quarterback. You know, a lot a lot of what you know we we did miss some tackles, and that's something you got to clean up. But a lot of what happened is that uh, Schrader just did a really good job of getting through the pass rush lanes. So kind of creeping outside uh, underneath the, the outside guy getting escaping the pocket and then just making plays with his legs. A lot of times on some of those pass plays that broke down. And I think more than anything, it wasn't so much getting physically dominated. It was that over the course of this game, we saw depth show up again, right? We saw depth show up again. And by the time we were uh, kind of, getting towards the end of the game that defensive line had uh had played a bunch of snaps and they just weren't quite bringing it the same way they were even though on the the ultimate touchdown play we did have um a big hit on the quarterback just before the ball went out there and dorian strong missed it by yeah um i mean that that was just that was just a bang bang play And, and dorian had some other i mean we'll talk about dorian a little bit um yeah he had some other plays where he probably didn't do his best effort but um, I, you know, he was, he was running step for step. There it was just well-thrown ball. Uh, and yeah, you, you did the one, you did the one thing in man coverage you can't do. I mean, you, you let him get a little bit further behind you than you want. Yeah. Um, and let's talk about the last three forty-two. We were going to do that a little later on this rundown, but since you kind of brought it up and brought up the point, they scored 14 points in the last, you know, in basically three minutes and 42 seconds. And it was only about four Oh four left on the clock. Yeah, it was the depth, and it's something we went back to last week about roster management, about recruiting, and Barno and Garbutt are good. Some of the guys on the defensive inside are good. Probably a few guys could be would be more of the third rotation, not the second rotation. But since we're not that deep, they're only they they're up in the second rotation. So, you know, you sit there and it's like those last three minutes, what they 
with a nine-point lead, they go in just a couple minutes, drive down, get it within five, and then in about 45 seconds, scored, including a 45-yard bomb. And that's now the second time it's happened in the last yep. three weeks. And it's showing the depth, and it's showing where we aren't haven't had the time to develop more defensive end. And the three guys that could be potentially playing this year are all gone. Yeah, I think and, that's that's the bigger thing is that you know you you took a problem issue and then you compounded it with with the three guys that had to transfer out for uh, you know university related uh, situation there. So. Uh, it, it's very unfortunate. Uh, and like I said, it was a situation that we had already made pretty rough by the fact that we had essentially one. Uh, we, I mean, in theory, we were coming into this year, you know, it, Barno not completely knocking it out of the park uh, yeah. with one veteran uh, defensive end. Yep. And a guy that changed positions and then a bunch of red shirts. Well, t- technically, going to be freshmen, but exactly. second year freshmen. That that was the game plan before these guys transferred out. And um, now it's Cole Nelson, who's a true freshman. It's Jalen. It's 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 Adams, who had very got many snaps in his career. And there's no depth at that spot. And in those last those last four drives of the two games we've lost on last plays, you could see there wasn't it wasn't there. And that was a lot to go into. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, Syracuse, even up to that point, still had shredded us all day. I mean, yeah. And the, and the big thing, I'd say the other thing that D line struggled with um, up front was some of that uh, setting the edge, especially on backside. Um, there was a lot of cutbacks for um, Tucker. Uh, he had, especially the one, um, not the one that went for the touchdown, but, but the other long run he had was just a bad contain on the backside by the defensive end. So that's got to get better. Um, You know, you got to understand your responsibility there in the run and not over pursue where they have those lanes um, to cut back. And that that was consistent throughout the day. There was drives where we did better with that and were able to force them off the field. And there were some drives where we just couldn't, and it's, it's a yo-yo, right? It's a, it's a big time yo-yo. <laughs> it, it was a yo-yo. We're not we're not used to it being quite as much of a yo-yo on defense this week. So this week we, the defense was a yo-yo. We're used to the offense being somewhat of a yo-yo. Yes, we are. Uh, and they still were. Not, they still were. They still were. Spo- spoiler alert: uh, uh, You guys watch the game, um, but we're not used to the defense uh, doing this. And, th- and this was one where the the offense had picked them up most of the game and they weren't able to do it late. And I think the defense that, that was just gassed and uh, you know, that's not an excuse that, that the staff should have been preparing them for those situations. I mean, at some yeah. point you've got to figure out, I've got to have the legs and the bodies and the conditioning to get this done at the end of games. It's true. Now, Brian, something you talked about is you talked about time of possession on Wednesday night, and that was pretty fair, 31-28. to 28. Pretty much it was almost a 31-29 type thing. So that was kept in contained. But we just look up and down, I mean, the stats. I mean, on third and fourth down, they went 11 of 20. They went over 50%. Because they yeah. were converting in four for four on fourth, which we are dreadful, 12 for 15 for the year. Awful. Dog shit. Dog shit. Dog shit. Mean, <laughs> and then just 
in general, 550 total yards. They averaged seven a carry. Garrett Schrader put over 236, where he had been averaging like 170. Um, we didn't force any turnovers. Uh, you know, it's it, it was literally the worst game the defensive played all year. Yeah. And it wasn't – it was – we'd probably say, what, a C game in, up until the last few minutes, and then it went from a C to a D minus with just a few yeah. plays. And I know something you were telling me a little bit earlier that you, you were assuming to see the defensive line have their struggles. But we looked at the safety stats, and it was like, well, it seemed like the safety were cleaning up the messes, not the case between the safety and the linebackers. Worse or better than a defensive line for those units? Um, I'd say linebackers about what I expected when I looked at the tackles. A um, lot of missed gaps, a um, lot of not really seeing where the ball was going. And it, this kind of the same with safeties. Let's let's take a look at Sean Tucker's big uh, fourth and one touchdown run. Uh, Nasir Peoples jumps inside and he didn't need to. Dax had that gap, but he's, there, hang, yeah. he's hanging around inside, and all of a sudden, cutback lanes there. Nobody's outside, and it, it goes for six. You know what that looked like? That looked like Carolina last year. Yeah, when we couldn't find the right gaps, and they were just hitting the wide open gaps from massive gains. Yeah, and, and Dax, Dax had a below average game. Uh, Tisdale had had a pretty he had, Tisdale was very up and down. He was either making a play or he was completely out of position. And again, reminds you a little bit of last year. And we hadn't seen a game like that from this defensive unit in the second and third level until this week. And I don't know if it was having the stout rushing attack from both the running back and the quarterback Ooh, that buddy. did it. Or, or the fact that that offensive line, sorry, the fact that the offensive line wasn't, sorry, the running game wasn't just a product of the talent in the backfield, but also from the offensive line. That was a solid offensive line combined with the fact they had a very talented running back combined with the fact they had a quarterback that could run the ball well. And did he? 174 on the ground for Garrett Shader. He almost averaged eight a carry. Tucker did what he does. Again, I told, T- T- Tucker kept them around in the first half, and then yes, Schrader completely took over the second half. Yep. I-, I told you the other day, I feel for Tucker having this type of season his sophomore year, not his junior year, because yeah. if he was putting up these numbers and it was next year, people would be talking about him in at least the first three rounds. And hopefully for that kid, you know, even though he is at a different school, I hope that he continues to success this year into next year. But yeah, we played him at this point. He can do whatever he wants to now. Exactly. Thing, buddy. <laughs> Let's be honest, Brian. Something we thought that we wouldn't see is Garrett Schrader have a great day passing the ball. Now, he was just under 50%, but he put 236 yards up. And, you know, quite a few of those yards came on the last few drives when we needed the pass rush. And and even a couple of the passing touchdowns earlier, our, our corners just didn't look right. And I know not having Waller out there is a big thing, especially – and this is what you call a good offensive coordinator. As we were driving down the road yesterday, how many times, Brian, in just the course of about 15 minutes did we hear, oh, they're going four wide here. Essentially, we can run the ball. We're going to stretch you out. And even yep. though they passed and we broke up a couple of those plays, later in the game when they were going four and five wide to play catch up, no Waller there. We had to put some inexperienced guys playing corner, putting Jamari out on the island in corner. Corners had what a, I mean, average 
It wasn't great. No, nah, uh, it was it was it was very much yo-yo. It was either they were doing one hundred percent what they needed to do, or they just kind of look a little lost. Uh, there was times when Connor was out of out of position in coverage, um, was late, um, kind of reading what the uh, what the receiver was doing in man. Um, not just not getting there on time. Uh, there was a couple times where Armani Chapman was kind of late on a break. There was one, uh, there was like a, 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 a deep comeback that was thrown way outside and it hung out there. And I was like, surely that's going to be a pick, but Chapman was about half a second late and didn't get his paw in there. And it ended up being a, a good completion for a first down. And that was kind of indicative of how the, how the passing game went for them. It, it was Balls that were sometimes questionable, but they got there. And then there was balls that were very much 50-50 and we just weren't winning the battles. And sometimes it was the corner just not getting their head around even when they were in position. And sometimes it was just not wanting enough, it seemed like. Um, and then, of, of course, we had the one that broke the broke the camel's back there at the end, which, yeah. I mean. We were, in a, we were in a cover one. But yeah, you, we, you made a point to me when, when I hit you up earlier and you just kind of said, where they were on the field and how they were moving the ball, either they were going to – in the time they had left, you said either they're going to nickel and dime you if you play zone, they're going to be able to run, they're going to be able to pass short passes, or you're going to have to play covers one, cover zero, give them nothing, put a spy on the quarterback and say, you're not getting past here because you can't kick a field goal past here. And that's what it was. It was the situation. Yeah. It wasn't if, – if it's an eight-point game, if you're ham, it's like nickel Damas. But instead, you have to go to that because of the situation. Well, it's the, it's the failure on the third and fourth down to get them off the field and then the failure on the next play to contain the screen uh, to Tucker that went for another long first down that kind of set things up in motion, right? So yeah. if you're if you're able to get off the field there, you're able to let them keep the clock running. If you're able, like if you just do some of those little things that either bleeds more clock or gets them off the field, then you don't get into that situation. But once you're at the 45 yard line, yeah. you know that that's when it gets difficult to call the defense because they they do have just enough time where if they get a first down, they can clock it. They still got a chance to kick it you get a little aggressive and you say, all right, we're, we're going to try to, to counter that a little bit, bring a little noise and yep. it doesn't get home in time. And their receiver has about a half step on our corner and that's all it takes. And that is all it took to essentially finish the game because with 20 seconds left, it was, it was not going to happen. Um, we, I mean, we somehow got a bomb into the end zone to just have a prayer there at the end. I mean, that was a, that was a, that was a big, big nut throw by, uh, by Braxton yes, inside the 15, um, to, to kind of get us in a position there where we could at least take a shot. But, um, you know, you, you don't want in the situation where you're up nine with under four minutes left you shouldn't be in a situation where you're throwing Hail Marys at the end of the game to even have a chance. It's true. Well, even, even let's go back to earlier. The, probably the biggest one that kind of kept them in this game is, and we'll talk about the offense's failures on this, but Peter Moore kicks a wedge. And that yep. thing flips back to the three-yard line. 
The safety false start gets them back to the one. And then they go on a 98-11 play, a 98-yard 11 plays for a touchdown. Even though, yes, we did block the kick and they did not tie it. But at that point in time, as we're listening in here in the game flow, me and you immediately say, if we get to 21, they can't run the ball anymore. They can't run the ball effectively. Yeah. Essentially, you're able to sit in your zones and say, you know, if you run, you're going to get four yards. If you pass, you're going to have to hit your spots. And essentially, we're going to make this game longer because we're up, and eventually Schrader probably would have made a mistake. But when you have that drive happen and get them right back in the game, you know, we did get them down nine. But you felt like there were times just watching it, right, Brian? We could have been up 14-21 without blinking. Yeah, but we didn't. yeah. It, it seemed like the the defense just couldn't make enough plays to, to to get us in that situation. And then when the offense did have some opportunities with short fields, we we just failed to capitalize. Uh, even though the offense overall had some really good drives in this game, yeah. Um, sometimes when they were gifted short fields, they didn't do a whole lot with them. Well, there were there were really in the beginning of the game there were two, right. One was yeah. immediately after a uh, immediately after the touchdown. We for, they defense forces one of the three and outs, and then we get it down to the tech. You know, we we break get down to the Syracuse forty five. It was the play where they tried the double reverse to Trey that completely screwed that. And I'm sure, Brian, remember the play? We were sitting here and like, what the bleep did you do that for? Like, why would you – like, you know, it's second down and it's eight. You're moving the ball with not doing any sort of trickeration, right? Yeah. And then they do that, get way backed up. We we, we blow the opportunity there. Yeah, that was right after uh, Blackshear's big uh, screen where he kind of picked it up off the turf yep. almost and yep. took it 30 yards. Exactly. And then we turn around on on second down and eight, um, especially yeah. the way we were running the ball pretty consistently there. Um, yeah, it, just, it made it, no sense to do that. And if you actually, the mind. when you watch that play today, it was a QB lead play, right? With the with the with essentially riding and then going and then flipping it. If you looked at that, did you look at that angle today? There were there were holes. Yeah, if, 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 and that's where you know it's a trick play because if that's a read and he didn't see that, pull the kid out. But then Brian, we defense holds again, gets another three and out. This time again, we get the ball like near midfield, lose two yards, punt again. That set up the ninety-eight yard play. You had two drives, midfield, nowhere to go. You stall. Well, that was another one where you had a good first down play and then you negated it with yeah. a, a negative second down play. And then you had the sack on third that put you in negative yardage for the uh, drive there. Um, it, it just, it, it it's wow. those little things. And again, we're not going to hammer the offense. The offense, especially the running game overall, was better. Uh, as good as we've seen all year, this is what we kind of expected from day one. So I'm not going to give them too much of a clap on the back. This is what we should have been experiencing all year, especially against this defense. And they had a pretty, they have a pretty good running run rush defense, but you know, I'm glad that we had a commitment to the run. We should have had a commitment to the run. 
when we have a quarterback that has some of the limitations that Braxton has, if you're not committing to the run, you are doing him a disservice. You're doing him an absolute disservice. And then you have Malachi Thomas, freshman, who comes in and goes for over 150 yards, um, close to close to 200, actually 200 all-purpose yards, a little over yeah. that. And Two big it, runs. Uh, one, one went for a touchdown. But you still sit here, Brian, and, and it's got to be questioned because of this coaching staff, right? It happened with Hendon Hooker in 2019. And, and, and in the press conference we listened to, it was like, well, he had done some good things in practice. If he's doing things like that in practice, he should have been the starting running back in Carolina, not six games into the season. Yeah. So, again, it's this – I mean, and he runs hard. He has vision, right? There were a couple times you could see him – in those things, he was waiting, developing a hole, found the hole, hit it. Not yeah, I, what Herbert. Yeah. But did you what we've seen? Yeah. Did you notice how much more we're running in inside the tackles in mm-hmm. this game? It, it was much less of the outside zone, a lot more of inside, a lot more counter, inside counter, a lot more uh, power. Um, a lot more trap. I mean, there, there were, there were a bunch of, bunch of things going on inside that we haven't seen a whole lot of all year. So getting that out there was nice because I feel like the strength of, of, of how we would, our running game is now in the interior. Um, so finally focusing on that is, is I think what paid part of the dividends. Now there were still some, some questionable things on the offensive line this week. Um, you know, pass pro was not great. Uh, Braxton didn't have a whole lot of time. Um, tackles are still very hit or miss, uh, in pass pro. Um, Luke Tenuta is looking better, uh, but still is, is having some of the same types of things that we've seen, um, you know, last season where there would be the, the, the snaps or he just, whatever reason, it's an Olay situation, right? Yep. Um, so we're still dealing with that, and that that's obviously not helping Braxton as much as it could. But that's this true. was a much better overall game from the offensive line than we've seen the last few weeks. Well, and can, some, some of that was actually because the calls played into their strengths. Well, let me ask this, Brian. Did you when you were watching? Did you notice what were the combos looking like yesterday? Like what what was it? Was it always Luke, Leticus, Brock? Caden Silas, or did we did we mix some things up on the line? Uh, it was it was kind of mixed up throughout the game. They did they did some different things, and I've seen, um, but it, it was kind of a little bit of uh, there was more pulling um, interior than than kind of the the pull and wrap that we've seen with some of the um, offense that we've seen from the from the previous week. So. I think that was a little bit of a change and it kind of, I think it helped them out a little bit with getting up, up inside the tackles there. Got you. Um, also yesterday, Raheem Blackshear goes over a hundred all purpose with the big screen catch and then averaging 7.8 on the ground for 78 yards. Still not using him the way we, you really want to use him, but at least get him involved in things that he does better. Um, yeah. I don't know what they're challenging here. Like we threw the red flag, but y'all recovered ahead of the first down. So what's the point? 
I don't know what he was. <laughs> I, I don't like that. You know, we don't have the volume on, but we'd be explaining. But, you know, but to, to see him again using Raheem in the screen game and some of the other things they did with him yesterday, you felt a little better. You still don't feel 100% because you feel like his talent. You, you've said it numerous times to me and other people. Rutgers is getting more out, got more out of this guy with a terrible staff that got fired. Maybe that, maybe the staff is worse. And that's why they can't do it. Yeah, I mean that that's the point that I like to make is that, you know, you you saw some of the things that Raheem Blackshear did in um 2018, right? Um mm-hmm. he he only played 4 games in 2019. Um and and in those games he did a lot of, he did a lot from the slot. He had a like if you extrapolated his his stats from those 4 games out over a, a full 12 game slot, you know, he'd be just under 1000 yards receiving. Uh so when you, when you think about that and then you think about how we're using, it, I'm not saying I want him in the slot all the time, but I do think that we need to do more with him in the passing game than just what two targets, one catch, 30 yards. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> they, 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 they don't, someone doesn't quite understand how to use him. Now, something that was said, and you tell me how big of an impact this would have said in the interview, Fuente, and maybe this is why the defense didn't play good and the offense played better. Fuente did not run the scout team offense this week against the defense. He ran – he was he had a lot more time in the meeting rooms with the offense in general. Could you see some of the plays, especially like how they were reusing the H back a little bit more, putting Gallo in? But just watching some of the plays today, I, I feel like – it was something different, and I don't know how big of an impact the head coach can come in for one week and make that big of a difference. Well, I think when you, when it comes to the game planning side of things, of how initially out the gate they're they're planning on attacking the defense, I think that's where it makes the most. And I think when you talk about practice, I think some of that is the intensity and attention to detail that probably Fuente brings to it that it seems like Brad Cornelson does not really grasp and that attention to detail matters that attention to detail matters um I mean there were there were times that I mean I in college I had a head coach that ran the offense so I never experienced this <laughs> there was always- my, my, head, my, my head coach was was blowing the whistle do it again. My head coach was calling us a clown show if we screwed it up and we were running it until we got it fucking right. <laughs> and then we'd run it another time to make sure that we got it right. And that reflected on game day. We knew what the hell we were doing. We executed. And we put up a bunch of fucking points. Yes, y'all did. And... At some point, I mean, again, the deficiency is either you didn't get, you haven't recruited the right players and developed them enough to run what you're trying to do, or you're not scheming properly to put them in the right positions to make those plays. Again, execution is a one-off excuse. Execution is not a weekly fucking thing. All right, l- let me ask this, Brian. Do you, if you are, um, if you are. If you're Justin Fuente, 
do you continue to do what you did this week where your defense played less because you're not running the scout team? Again, it's attention to detail, right? Or do yeah. you say the defense has enough playmakers if I put the offense in situations and get them to score, we can win a few games from here out. What do you, what do I'm going to ask the question, why does my head coach have to be on a field for us to have success, whether it's offense or defense? Well, that's why. Why have we cre- created a scenario? Why have we created a scenario where you are reliant upon the head coach for a practice field to function as it needs to week to week? Yeah, it. We talked about it last week with the staff, and six years in, it should be a heck of a lot better. Guys should be moving on to bigger and better things, and they're yeah. not. The guy is a Marlon Mack sighting. Marlon Mack, a couple years ago, <laughs> he was that fantasy pickup people had to have. All right, uh, Ryan, we'll continue to say this. Um, and watching some of the Tennessee-Alabama game when I got home last night and seeing Hendon Hooker have a very good game against an Alabama in Tuscaloosa against the saving defense, that's probably the most competitive Tennessee had been since Lane's game where – Mount Cody blocked the final second field goal to win it. Um, even though the reflection in the end doesn't go that way because Tennessee started blowing their feet off. But BB 10 for 20, I mean, he didn't break 200 yards. His his big throws, the great throw to Tay on the sideline. That was his biggest throw. It wasn't feet. a great throw. It was – No, because Tay literally a, had on his backside. It was, um, it was a decent throw. It, it got – it was the best throw – that he could make without it getting intercepted. <laughs> yep. But, I mean, let's just say what he is. He's at best average. How they game planned up until this week makes him below average. Where I, I got to believe, you, you got to believe passing-wise, Hendon would be much better in this offense. Yeah, um, and we've seen it, right? We've we've seen Hendon be better in this offense. Uh, so I'm just I'm I'm confused. I'm not so much confused of you know why you made a play to keep Braxton. I'm I'm more confused that you did make a bigger play to keep Hendon. Yep. Like there there wasn't a situation where you were out there doing everything you could to keep that guy in the building. Yep, it's true. Regardless what happens, the, the, the stories that have come out, like that guy had talent and it's showing. Um, you just don't go down to Tuscaloosa against a saving defense, regardless if it's great or not great, and, and do what he did, especially in the first half, um, and then keeping him in that game in the second half. So, again, it goes back to our last week. If you guys have not listened to last week's episode, if you can skip through the pit part and get to – our assessment of the five pillars, you'll understand what we're talking about. Now, Brian, before we get into tonight, which is going to be, y'all, we just passed halfway point of the season. We are giving some staff evaluation grades for every coach. We are going to take a quick pause for a message from our digital partners. As we take a quick break, we'd like to tell you about getting your free website report from our digital partner, Grassroots Digital Marketing Studio. They'll tell you how your website ranks on Google, on-site SEO, and social media. No commitment to buy anything. 
You can get your free report by visiting grassrootsdigitalstudio.com forward slash free dash website dash report. Now back to the episode. All right. So guys, what we're going to do for the rest of the episode tonight is we're going to give our staff evaluations. By all means, if you want to chime in, feel free to give your grade. We'll say who it is and the grade. <laughs> we'll throw it up on here. We'll, we'll, we'll throw it up on here. Off, show it um, off of the world. Exactly. But let's start, Brian. Um, I want to start with Jay Ham, And I'm, I'm going to jump on this one first because okay. before yesterday's game, I was bordering on B+. Um, first year, first true year of having it, the defense had played well. Um, definitely depth is a concern, but overall the defense was playing well. I'm not going to go a full letter grade back, but now it's on the B minus. So he's probably sitting on the 80 to 81 versus the 88 to 89 for me after that game, especially hearing after the head coach was not running the scout team, which which was probably giving him some help um, to be a young coordinator, right? So yeah. I'm going B minus. And but before yesterday, it was B plus. What about you? Yeah, I'm going to give him a. I'm going to go C plus. Um, I oh, feel like they huh? dropped a full letter. Um, okay. I'd say overall, we've done a really good job this year, especially up until recently, kind of slowing down the pass game for them, uh, for the other team. But um, I'm a little suspect on the, the rush defense and we're going to see more heavy rushing attacks with better offensive lines as we kind of close yeah. out the year here. Um, not that they're necessarily high caliber in terms of the elite talent like a Notre Dame has at the running back position, but I think the whole workings of the team on offense might give us some problems. So that's going to be something to watch out for. And if we have another game, you know, a few more games like we had, uh, on Saturday, you know, that, that grade could go down a little bit more, but Saturday kind of made me a little wary just because I'd seen a little bit of, of, of that before this game, especially against Pitt when I was like, they shouldn't be getting the edge like that. They shouldn't be getting the edge. Yeah. And then we saw some more stuff like that this week. It's kind of trending in a direction I'm not comfortable with uh, long-term and I'm hoping that we can, we can do some, do some things here to kind of change that up and get that going back in the right direction. All right. Let's move to the other side of the ball's coordinator and let's go to Brad Cornelison. Brian, what grade are you giving him seven games into the season? This game, he moves up to a flat old D minus. He, oh. he, he got out of the F into a D minus for this, this week's effort only. But D minus to me is still, you need to get the fuck out of here. Yes. Right? Because I mean, absolutely. You're going to be on academic probation, and then you're going to be out of school if you if you're just dropping D's all over the place, right? <laughs> so that's where we're at. D minus for corn, um, and it really just goes back to the inconsistency in situational football and the inability to adequately get the players ready to execute week in week out. And see, Brian, I was at a D minus before. I wasn't gonna fail. wasn't gonna fail it yet. wasn't gonna fail it yet. Um, it was trending that way, but I was gonna move it to a D plus 
until we heard the interview that basically Fuente was in the offensive room all week. And I, I'm going to stick it a D minus. I daggum near gave it an F because literally you had to pull the head coach in there to put this sort of game plan to, again, you said it, attention to details um, and things like that. All I can say is this. If we continue to play like we did offensively, put up points, good drives, more good than bad drives, less three and outs, I'm just going to go ahead and rack it up that Fuente's in the room the whole time. And he is basically – putting everything together and more than likely it's more him than it is Brad. It's just Brad calling the plays. Okay. All right. D minus that is, you know, D minus across the board. All right, Brian. Um, I'm going to go Jack Tyler next and the linebacker play has been just okay this year. Not great. Not absolutely dreadful, horrible last year. Um, when Tracy Clays was on an island um, trying to coach <laughs> linebacker play. <laughs> I know, okay, yeah. Um, but I, I'm going to give him just a, just a C. First year, a lot of different things he's having to go through, even more so with the outside noise, even more so with the second year, really true first-year coordinator. Um, so, you know, like you said, it's up and down. There's been times the linebackers have played really good. There's been times there's been yuck moments. So all in all, it balances out to me to to a C. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm I'm right there with you. Uh, I'm with the C for for Jack as well. And he's done some good things on the recruiting trail, early return so far too, right? So I think the combination of that, I think the combination of seeing some improvement, especially some improvement. I know. Tracy Clays had never coached linebackers before, but he was also a extremely veteran defensive coach. Yeah. So I think, you know, he understood, understood conceptually what that would take. Um, but Jack has definitely been, it seems an upgrade so far. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping that we, we continue to trend in that direction. That's my hope. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it's, it's a good trend, but it's still not where it needs to be yet. <laughs> yeah. Garoppolo just put it on the ground at midfield. You guys got the ball up a point. So yeah. Y'all, y'all get y'all get a touchdown here. This is pretty much game over. Um let's go to Electenburg next, Ron. Because this is an okay. interesting one. Because you feel like yesterday might have turned a little bit. But what are you giving Adam Electenburg up to this point? Uh, I'm going to give him a C plus um, okay. and a lot of that is tied to off the field stuff. Um, I think I don't know how much credit to give him for Khalil Herbert other than getting him in the building, but that's a lot. <laughs> because I mean, we, we saw what he did last year. We see that he's tearing it up in the NFL already. Now that he's gotten an opportunity the last two weeks um, and really two and a half weeks going back to the previous game where he came in. And it just seems like I'm not really sure how much his coaching is impacting the on-field product, but I know that he's getting some of the right players in the building to, to be successful. Um, And I'm not sure who was holding back Malachi 
Thomas yeah. from getting on the field more snaps, whether it was him or whether it was Brad Cornelson or whether it was Justin Fuente. Okay. So I'm not <laughs> sure whether to ding him for not getting Thomas more carries earlier in the year or not. So right now I'll stick with C+. You're going to stick with C-plus on it. Okay. I'm going to give him a B-minus. Um, again, a lot of it's the off-field stuff. You know, I think without a doubt that is probably one of the bigger things. Yeah, he is a good recruiter. He does have a good eye for talent. Um, you know, he was a secondary on Malachi last year. He brought in Herbert. He saw that tape. So, We're idiots in the back end now. <laughs> okay. Um, but also with Herbert, it was a year of consistency. We had seen Herbert's tape. We knew he could blow up. What it is, Lechtenberg got the consistency out of him, and that's why we're seeing it up there, whatever he said to him. The piece that I'm interested in is just what you are. If Malachi Thomas, who we heard, he had done some good things, but he was missing this or that. If you have a guy like that and he's missing, well, he's missing some pass pros. You should be banging on the table saying, well, we should be running the damn ball a lot more than we should be in pass pro. Even though it might give away when he's not in there that we're going to potentially have more of a pass. The kid comes out, runs against a good defense like that to the tune of 150 yards on 24 carries, averaging almost six a carry, you should be stepping up, slamming your fist on the table and saying, see, I told you. Yep. Think if we had those running backs in the West Virginia or the Notre Dame game. So I give them a B minus. Um, still wish they would use him right, but I, I'm, I'm a little softer on Adam than I used to be. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. All right. So where are we going next, man? Let's go next to uh, – this is going to be a good one because it is all over the place. Vance Vice. If we're if we're just talking this year, give me a C. Okay. Well, I'd say this year and recruiting this year. You still sticking with a C? Still sticking with a C. Okay. Um, why? Why? Why not – you know, why not lower with this year? Because clearly in the offseason, he made some serious mistakes that hurt our depth. Why not lower? The recruiting has still been there. Um, and I think he was dealt a bad hand that he had a hand in somewhat creating. Because <laughs> this season was going to be a little bit of a work in progress before two guys got ran off to other uh, ACC uh, teams. Well, not ACC teams, but uh, Power 5 teams. And I think we looked like we made some ground up there when we were using our current running backs the way they should and playing to the strengths of this offensive line. So you can't put as much on that, but I think that he's done a poor job with the rotations. He's that that's 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 the one thing that I'm still frustrated with is that he has not figured out who his best five are. And you ran off two good players, and yep. we have been 
inconsistent at best, both in the run game, which I did not expect, and in the pass game, which I 100% did expect. All right. I'm going to be a little harsher on him, and I'm going to go with the D plus Because running off two guys who would have been key to depth um, would have significantly helped this offensive line. I think Doug Nestor would have started at right tackle. I think Silas Danzi would have started at right guard. I think Brian Hudson would have been your swing guy inside. Right? That, that's, that, that's, that, that's, that's, that's accurate. One, that's one big strike. That, that to me, where it takes him from, like, potentially a C-plus, where now you're down to a C. The next one is I still don't think he's putting the best five out there. Because my reality, if you want to make the best five, especially running the ball, Johnny Jordan should be playing probably center. And Brock Hoffman should be at right guard. But, again, back to the other point, why he ran guys off is probably the same reason with this. And the whole goal should be get your best five out there. We know Brock can play guard. We know. We've known Johnny can play guard, but you're mixing and you're mixing, and that's fine. I get you might need to give guys breathers, but give it a chance like this. Give that a chance. And give that a chance in fall camp versus early. Do I think Caden Moore is a nasty guy guard? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. But he has some deficiencies because he is a freshman. Yep. And – you know, it's one of those things, too. It's like, dude, you're playing for your job this year. Well, what what if he gets mad and I lose the line? Well, what if you lose the line? You're probably going to be gone anyway if you don't put your best five out there. Yeah, so, and, I, and I've played in, in a situation where, you know, I, I've been one of the, uh, the swing guys in a six-man rotation. Um, I know that. Sometimes you ride the hot hand and then sometimes it's a true rotation and then sometimes it's a play to your strengths. So I, I get that aspect of it, but yeah. I'd like to see them play to the strengths of what's what's happening in the flow of the game than just getting guys out there to get guys out there. Yep, it's very true. All right, Brian, we, we're going to pair these next two guys together because they essentially run the same line and that's jc price and bill tilnick and i'm gonna give jc and bill a solid b um like you said earlier the edge stuff with the rush defense has not been the greatest they're also working with a very limit they're also working with limitations on the outside because of depth but overall the defensive line has played well this year not unbelievable but it's not been the true detriment to the defense even though yesterday they had their issues. And on the last couple drives of several games, they've had their issues. But overall, this is also the second year of it. Yep. Guys they'd recruited to the system, three of them on the defensive end, left. So, you know, if you ask me today, I would want at least J.C. Price – to be on the next staff as one of, you know, it usually happens. Usually don't see a complete gutting and everybody leaves. Usually one or two guys is, remains on staff. I, I think if what's going to happen, what we assume is going to happen, I'd like to see JC price stick around. Yeah. I'd like to see JC price stick around and, and Bill's harder because bill costs more and bill doesn't give you as much on the recruiting trail. True. 
So J- JC is is the the easier keep there. Um, I'm going to give them a C plus. Um, probably I, I could go B minus. I'm really kind of going between the two. I think given the limitations of their depth, that is really no, nothing to do with them. Um, I, I think they've done a really good job overall. Um, they're still dealing with a, their most elite player is a guy that switched positions <laughs> and is, you know, more of a freak athlete than a true defensive edge presence at this point, but they're still yeah. getting a good amount out of him. Um, he had a, he was, a, he had an active game. The play that impressed me most is, uh, one of the, one Schrader took off and he's walking him down from the backside. 15 yeah. yards downfield. Uh, that's impressive. Um, and he doesn't give up on plays. He's always going. Um, that's a big thing for me. And Garbett has really turned into a really solid overall player at the defensive end position. And if we can clean up just some of those technical things um, that we're seeing, those two guys could really be, you know, some of the, the the top two out there in the ACC. So I, th- I think they're turning a corner a little bit, but they're not quite there. Overall, just the the depth is killing them and that's hurting them. So I'm trying not to give them, give that too much of a, uh, of a knock for them. So I'll still go C plus. Like I said, I could go B minus, but they're, they're, they're kind of right there. Got it. All right. Here's the next one for you, Brian. And this is going to be the really interesting one. Jafar. I I don't want to fail him, but I might have to fail him. I might have to fail him. Um, we just we haven't seen enough of the guys he's bringing in take some steps. Um, most of the guys that are doing well were either already recruited before he was hired, or mm-hmm. were already playing before he was hired. Very true. Uh, you know, we still have Tay and Trey that are out there doing their thing. I haven't seen significant jumps in game from from Trey from 2018 to now. He he's been just steady Eddie, consistent. He was good out the gate, and he's continued to be pretty good the whole way through. So, yep. And the only thing I can say is that Jafar has that wide receiver core blocking like a motherfucker. <laughs> they are some good ass blocking wide receivers. They are. They are. They are. He definitely could be a consultant for the rest of his life, making I don't know, hundred thousand dollars a year just going around to between spring practice and fall camps, just teaching wide receivers to block. I'm 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 giving him an F plus. I'll give him a plus. <laughs> blocking the bonus. But it's just it's 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 nothing there. You're, you're, we're not seeing, like, we're not seeing. You made the point with Trey and Tay; they do their thing, and they're about where they were when they got here, right? Yeah, about where they were when they got here, wide receiver wise. We've not seen Lofton, Payute, Jones, the other, any other guy you want to mention really come on and start making it big. And this is year three. This is the year you usually see. So if you tell me at the end of the season, Tay Robinson was a thousand yard receiver, Trey Turner had a thousand all purpose yard between 650, 700 yards through the air and using him on jet sweeps and things like that. 
Okay, great. You're doing your job. But it's the same old. And, you know, what we went from Hollum and Wiggins to him is kind of crazy, right? Because Wiggins had Ford in them who had good seasons. They, they were known commodities. We knew they were very solid. And they came in. All three of those guys in 16 exploded. Cam comes back the next year, builds upon again. And in 18 with a bunch of young guys, guys flash, you know, yeah. out of the gate in 18. So ever since he got here, it's just been – that doesn't feel like he's done anything. And, you know, that, that's just the feel. I got to give the, the F plus. So, all right, next guy. This is one I think we're definitely going to differ on. James Shabest, the tight ends and the special teams coach. That man gets an A minus in my book. Okay. Tell um, me why. Well, okay, first of all, let, let's let's start going. After John Parker Romo fixed his short kick issues, Romo's been banging them. I mean, he banged a 48 yarder yesterday. I saw that, that kick could have been good from 58, maybe even 60. All right. Kick return game. Malachi and Keyshawn getting good averages. If you kick it short to us, you can pay somewhere between the neighborhood of 28 to 35 yards every time, if not more. All right? Yep. Punt return. I think Tay Robinson is getting up there to being the absolute best in the country. He had a 40 yarder yesterday, had a big run back, um, helped us out. Peter Moore is a freshman kicker, five-star, by the way, five-star kicker. Um, punting his ass off. And I know it's one of those things where you, well, you know, we don't want to be punting a lot. Everybody needs a good punter. Everybody needs a good – if you don't have a good punter, look at Syracuse and how many times they set us up inside with bad kicks. Yep. And if we could have taken advantage of them, it would have been blowing the doors off of them versus losing the game. It's um, true. And then just think about how Gallo and Drake played yesterday. When they truly let Gallo get into the H-back position, running game was better. Drake caught a touchdown pass. Need to see more of that. If those guys were truly producing at a great clip, I'd probably give him an A. But right now, it's kind of stymied. But we are, especially Gallo, playing that H-back position, definitely seeing the moves there. Now, how much lower are you going than me? Because I know you're not going higher. I'm gonna go B. Um, it could okay. be higher if if we'd seen more from the H back since James Mitchell has went down. Um, I think overall that he does a probably one of the better special teams coaches in the ACC. Um, definitely has kept the tradition going with. Uh, with Beamer ball, uh, with special teams being a focus outside of last year in punt return situations. I really don't have a ton of negative things to say about the special team since he's been here and looking at this year, same, same story other than the short kicking issues that, uh, John, John Parker Romo had in the first three games. I don't really have a big problem with, uh, with the special teams this year. I'd like to see more out of guys not named James Mitchell since he went down in the uh, H-back role. It seems like some of that has been game flow. Some of that has been calls. Um, so yep. it's not all on him. 
Um, but those guys haven't went out there and flashed as, as much as I was expecting them to flash since James Mitchell's went down. So that's what kind of brings it down for me a little bit. Got it. All right. All right, then let's hit this guy up. Uh, Ryan Smith. Where are you putting Ryan Smith at? Uh, Ryan Smith gets a B plus. Um, I'm, I'm solid B plus. Uh, he's done, done some good things with the young guys that have come, come in killing it on the recruiting trail. Um, when he's got his best guy out there, um, it, you can tell. Um, yes. So, and, but he's, he's brought the other guys along, the younger guys along both last year and into this year, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit faster than we anticipated. Much faster. And short of a few snafus here and there, they've held up against some pretty solid competition this year. Um, I think, you know, you could, you, there is room for improvement there. That's why it's not an A. That's why it's not an A minus. But um, overall, I like what Ryan Smith is bringing. I think he's probably, other than J.C. Price, the only other uh, coach that I think it probably gets retained by whoever the next staff is. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And, and I think Ryan Smith is probably the, the biggest no-brainer on that just because of his age and the position, unless whoever's coming in is a defensive guy that wants to coach corners. Exactly, and there's not many of those guys that move on to uh, DC slash head coaching positions. I'm with you on a B plus. Um, also, funny fact: uh, me and Brian went to college with Ryan's sister. We did not know this until a few weeks ago. Uh, I'm friends <laughs> with her on social media. I think Brian, you are too. And yep. Saw it pop up, and I messaged her. I'm like, is that Ryan Smith? Oh, yeah, he's my brother. And she's like, how did we not know this? And she was like, oh, he's just – he was significantly younger when we were all in college. Oh, makes sense. This girl, friends with, saw her basically every day in college. is really funny. Um, but it's a lot of the points you made. It's the recruiting. It's the younger guys. Um, Waller, before he got banged, was kept playing better and better each week. The Jermaine Waller we saw in 2019, who was out in 2020 – returned in 2021 and looked even better. And the difference between 2019 and 2021 is Ryan Smith. He is a good recruiter. He is a younger guy. He is a rising star. He should be retained in some capacity with the next head coach. Um, well, well, JC and Ryan, if you retain both of them, you can kind of hit the ground running with the yep. the recruiting footprint that they've started to build yes, since they've come on staff. So, um, that at least helps you potentially retain the class that you have and gets you, you know, boots on the ground as soon as the new staff gets in place. Exactly. Exactly. All right, Brian. Well, we've done everyone. So let's go to the head ball coach. Where are you with Justin Fuente? I mean, it's got to be a D minus, right? For me, it's a D minus. Um, and the big thing goes is that he's not making changes to make the team better. Nope. That, that's my big thing. Um, when we look at the struggles we've had with Brad Cornelson, when we look at a lot of the game flow things, if we look at just an inability to make changes during the game, when he sees things aren't going the way they need to, um, when we look at, how he is as a recruiter. Yeah. Um, He is not a recruiter. He does well when he gets recruiters on his staff. Very true. 
but he is not a guy that's going to, he's not Mac Brown. He's not going to go in the living room and, and get you a kid. He's not Frank Beamer. He's not going to go in seven, five, seven and get you a kid. Nope. He's not that type of coach. It's got to be pretty much a closed done deal when it get, when the player comes into his office to get that final yay or nay. Exactly. And, and you know, and even then sometimes it's not a, it's not a closed up shop there. So. Exactly. I'm going to go D not the D minus at least this week. He noted finally took five games in noticed issues and decided to move himself from one part of the game planning into another part of the game planning. And we did pay dividends on that. Um, D um should he have been gone after yesterday? Yeah, I do believe that because you are a reflection of what your team does. And numerous times this year in situations, he has essentially failed his team. And I know everybody can say, well, there's offense and there's, there's all this. He is the reflection of the team. How they, how they perform is you because yeah. it is a trickle down. You tell the offensive coordinators what you want. You tell the defensive coordinators what they want. They go down to their guys. If you're giving the wrong message, the wrong signals, the wrong vibes, that's why there have been so many failures this year. You could see what his body language a few weeks ago in a Monday presser. You could see it yesterday. He did not walk out on the interview yesterday. But he did not like that last question that was asked, I think, by David Cunningham with Tech Sideline. He answered it. And he walked away slifty looking pissed. But if that's how you carry yourself and your team sees it or hears about it, they're going to be similar to it. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the big thing is that he he's almost <laughs> too even keel, right? He's too even keel. Yeah. Um, and I think when you, when you get to the bad body language, uh, the bad body language is the start of the week, and then it carries on to the the post game, right? Yeah, you can't have that. I'm sorry, I'm celebrating over here. It's Nine, okay. It's scored. okay. You didn't get the two, so we're still up. Deuce. We, two. we still score, but it was also a fantasy score too. So now I've put my projection. Let me let me just say I am now up almost fifty points on the guy I'm playing. Yeah, but every every time y'all score, your defense points go. Down, 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 because you started the Colts defense. Here's the thing. I went from 19.3 on defense to 18. Debo went from uh, 10 to 18. Fair enough. So you're you're, you're netting out pretty good there. Big net out there, yeah. As long as he's the guy burning them, I'm good. So anyway, there's our staff evaluations along with Niners, Colts talk, fantasy talk is what we do here. Um that you kind of go through it. There's only a couple guys above average, a lot of guys below average, numerous D's, F's, and you see the way things are trending. And as this season goes along, we're going to have more segments like this on Sunday nights where we've got some other ideas in our heads. Um, Yeah, these two crazy heads. So uh, definitely check us in. Now, Brian, let's look at the pick'ems. Um also, Brian, let me say this. You actually – you did not get the number right, but you almost nailed the spread right on the game with the Syracuse by four. Um, you know, essentially Syracuse 
you know, does eventually win the game. Yeah. 41 36. So slightly off there. So you had a good read on that, just not that many points. Now on Saturday, Pickums. You gain some ground. Back, back in the saddle again. The big guy is back in the saddle again. The big guy's back over 500 again. Um, Brian's back to 42 and 40 after a seven and three week. Brian nailed the Army weight game, the FSU UMass game, the Clemson Pitt game, the Bama Tennessee game, Okie State, USC Notre Dame, and Oregon. So, you know, the only games you essentially missed were the three ACC games, BC Louisville, NC State, Miami, which I don't think anybody saw that coming. No. And then Georgia Tech got you again. <laughs> yeah, they tend to do that. Anytime I pick them, it's like I get one and then they bite me in the next three weeks if I go with them. So I got to I gotta remember if I win one with them, I got to move off of them real quick. Gotta move well, also Jeff Collins going for two last night which made no logical sense in that yeah. case. And the only thing you could say is, well, if we went for two and got the onside, we were going to go and score and win the game. We weren't going to tie it. Um, I went six and four. Uh, you know, the one that got me probably the biggest was laying 35 and a half points with UMass and not getting that. Um, I should have followed my instinct. Well, they're a bad team. And I should have thought in some way FSU would get at least – more than 35 and a half points than it. Um, but I tell you, the one that really got both of us was NC State Miami. Yeah. And now, as we sit here, we thought a couple weeks ago it was just Duke, and we saw Miami playing. It's like, well, we got a chance there. And now it's like Miami went from being potential to not great, Bob. They're, they're, they've settled in at quarterback again, and now they're starting to score some points again, and that's helped their defense stay off the field as much. Yep. And so even though they still have some of the same problems on defense that they had three weeks ago, they've got some offense to go with that. So that's covering up a little of those blemishes. Yep. Absolutely, Brian. So I think me and Brian probably are going to be on this after we sign off in a couple minutes here and watching the end of this game because it's going to be a tight one. This could be a very big key drive. Brian, anything breaking in the last uh, – Nothing here. big, man. I haven't seen anything come across my board. All right, I'm just going to do one more check. I'm not seeing anything either. So, guys, that is going to wrap up this episode of the Boundary Corner Podcast. I am Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. Visit our website, BoundaryCornerVT.com. Listen to all of our episodes. And while you're there, do not forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Subscribe on our YouTube account. And subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, including Spotify, Apple Music, Apple, excuse me, Apple Podcasts, and Amazon. You heard him play that beautiful hymn as we entered our program today, dedicating this episode to our buddy Brian, Jason Long. Check him out, Spotify and Apple Music. And Brian, as always, let's go. Okies. Okay.